Just a little bit of background. The book of Jeremiah, of course, he's the weeping prophet. He was a single man. God said, I don't want you to get married. Your job is going to be difficult. Your journey is going to be arduous. You're going to be persecuted. You're going to be arrested. You're going to be put in jail. And all of that was true. So God asked him to serve the Lord without a companion. A very challenging thing. I don't think anyone deserves more honor than the men and women who walk alone with the Lord. And certainly Jeremiah was among those who would do that. He had the unfortunate responsibility to tell people that if you don't get right with God, he's bringing judgment. And they kind of got frustrated with him. They became apathetic. Yeah, yeah, the pastor always says that. Oh, Jeremiah's going to come, a negative, a negative news from God. Don't do this, don't do that, turn or burn. We know. Well, Jeremiah, unfortunately, preached with tears streaming down his face, crying because he could see what God had showed him, what God had told him. But the people did not acquiesce. They did not change. They became hardened and calloused. It's a dangerous thing. And when God speaks to our hearts, we always want to be able, don't make God yell at you. Let's, let's let his whisper be a command. When he says, you've got to stop. Where he says to us that, um, be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Take God at his word. And if you see something wrong, admit it, quit it, repent, acknowledge the truth. They didn't do that, and because of that, God sent Nebuchadnezzar, a foreign king who God called my servant. He used a foreign man, Nebuchadnezzar, to come into Israel. At first, they just took a few gifted, talented people like Daniel and Azariah, Hananiah, Mishael, or, or the, uh, the, that's their Hebrew names, to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, their Babylonian names. They took some gifted young people and some folks, uh, and, and they marched them 400 miles from Jerusalem to Babylon. And when they saw them, they could see that not only did it strengthen Babylon, but it weakened Jerusalem. They got some of their best, and they were impressed. And so a few years went by, and Jeremiah, excuse me, Nebuchadnezzar said, go back and get some more like them. And this is where the story is. They would eventually come, and they went back, and they got the best carpenters and the smith workers, the people who work with iron. They took the king and the queen and other smart and intelligent and productive people and marched them probably 10 times the amount of people they got initially, and they brought them to Babylon. But when they got there, there was false prophets. They brought some preachers and some people over there, and they were telling them, listen, we're only going to be here for a while. I don't even know why he even brought you over here. God's going to let you go back soon. He said, so while you're over here, just goof around, be lazy, don't be responsible, picket, protest, Give your boss the dickens uh, and just wait it out because in a few days you're going to get to go back to Jerusalem. But that wasn't from God. No, the children of Israel had robbed God of his Sabbath days for 490 years and that would be 70 years they would owe God the Sabbath. They had stolen from him. 
And God was going to have them in captivity for 70 years. But these false preachers were telling them, no, 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 just you're going to go back soon. There's no sense in, and for whatever you do, don't have children over here. Just complicate Babylon. Just, just wait it out. Be resistant. Do what you have to do, but be resistant. But don't, don't have kids over here. Don't build a house. You, you might as well just stay in the residence inn. Maybe a little longer than the Motel 6, but, but not that long. You're going to get to go back. And God used Jeremiah, gave him the inspiration to write a letter. And he wrote a letter to the captives. He's still back in Jerusalem, but he writes a letter. Someone takes it 400 miles, and when they show up, they read the letter, and it doesn't sound the same. Matter of fact, he says to them, uh, I, we got a different plan. Here's what you're going to do. We read it just a moment ago. But I want to share these same, the same advice that Jeremiah gave the people of God here is the same advice that you and I can have at this season of our life. You know, I don't know about you, but um, used to, and, and of course the people of Israel, the children of Israel, when they were back here, they made money for their carpentry work and their smith work. Over here, they're slaves. Over here, they have choices. They can say, you know what, let's have a family picnic. Over here, they have someone else who decides for them. They know when to get up over here, when to go to bed. They were back here. They could have whatever they want. They could have choices. Over here, someone else makes their choices for them. Over here, they didn't have to wear face coverings. Over here, they have to wear face coverings. Over here, they could walk in the grocery store, and no one even told them about social distancing. There was no place to walk over here. Everybody's telling them, you do this, and you do this, and you do this. Over here, they could go to church, as many people as they want to fit in there. That was fine. Over here, someone else told them if they were going to go to church, and it wasn't even a church to go to. It was a different world. Over here, lots of liberty. Over here, lots of limitations. And they're frustrated. I don't know about you, but I have been frustrated. On many fronts, and Brother, Brother Hobbins already shared with us some of the frustrations there and where he serves the Lord, and many of you have had it, and some of you may not have had as many, but there are things that I, uh, we're doing even in our church family, I don't want to do them. Nothing in me wants to do them. I don't want someone to tell me what to do. We're a church. This is America. But there are some things that are going on. It's a bigger picture. And we are in seasons of limitations. Seasons where we just, we don't have the same liberties we used to have a year ago. I think in 2019, you stayed away from negative people. In 2020, you stayed from positive people. It's just a different world. You kind of got my, I'm a little foggy, a little squirrely. You're trying to figure everything out. But there are things that you can do in seasons of limitations that you and I need to ask the Lord to help us on. And these people are frustrated. And they have been hearing the wrong kind of message. And, and so God says, hey, I'm going to help you. He lays on the heart of Jeremiah. Jeremiah sends a letter. They get the people together, and they circulate this letter. I don't think they got everybody together, but they went out and had different people preached this message. <laughs> to people who were frustrated and limited. You know, there's all of us 
that have things that are just not the way we'd like for it to be. If my parents would not have divorced, if my dad had been faithful to my mom, if I had more money, if I had a better job, if addiction wasn't a part of my past and my family's past, if I hadn't watched pornography when I was 11 and 12 years old, if, 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 things I, I, if, I hadn't, if, fell, if I hadn't taken that first drink when I was 15, if I had more parking at our church, if the people were more excited about the things of God, if we didn't have that debt that just seems to shadow us, all of us have things. If, if, my, if my spouse was just on the same page, if my kids weren't away from the Lord, all of us have things. If, if we just had a different job, if I didn't have uh, the family tension, didn't have the opposition to continue to come, all of us could fill in the blank. If things were not like this, I could do more. Well, what do you do when things aren't like you like them? If I hadn't experienced that rejection in my life, if I hadn't been molested, if I hadn't been taken advantage of, if that man would just pay me the money he owes me, and some things are just not going to get resolved, what do you do in times where you just wish it were different? Well, here's what God told them, and I want to tell you the same message if I can. Number one, look at verse five. Would you look at verse five and read the first three words? Are you ready? Build ye houses. Well, when he got their letter out, said, This is a letter from Jeremiah from the Lord to all the captives. The first thing was build a house. They're saying, Build a house. Why would you build a house? You're getting ready to turn around and go back to Israel. No, you're not. This is your new normal. This is where you are. So he said, where you are, build a house, settle in. This is where God has you today. And it's nothing compared to what it's like to be a Christian in Yemen. <laughs> it's nothing what it's like to be a Christian in China. It's nothing like it's like to be a Christian in northern Nigeria. It's nothing what it's like to be a Christian in Nicaragua. This is where God has you, and you and I can complain all day long, but he says, number one, build a house. Settle in. This is your new normal. Look at the next thing he tells them. Build a house, and what's the next thing he says? Dwell in your house. Live there. I think this now he says, number one, we build a house. We, we, we settle in to where God has us. But number two, we live there contentedly. We stop whining, we stop complaining, we stop looking at all the things we can't do and say, what can we do? And we build a house and we, we live there contentedly. One of the biggest blessings you and I can do for each other is to be a contented person. And I have learned, Apostle Paul said, that in whatsoever state or situation I'm there with to be content. Contentment is not dependent upon what you have or don't have or what situation you're in. It's, it's, it's dependent upon what's going on between your ears. It's a decision to be made. God has given me everything I need to be happy right this moment. If I'm not happy, it's not his fault. It's mine. And oftentimes, so many terrible things happen because someone's not happy with what God's given them. They think they need more. 
They think they should have more, and, and the enemy of contentment is comparison. But he told these, these folks, these carpenters who are working all day long, and all they're doing is getting something to eat at the end of the night, rather than making the wages they're working over there, he said, listen, build a house. When you get home from work, build you a house and live contentedly in that house. Number two, three, he tells, plant ye gardens. Plant a garden. You know what a garden sounds like to me? Work. Sounds like you had a plow. That's why I really I've never been interested in gardening. Plow, plant, water, weed, and wait. That's miserable. Some of you have green thumbs. You're thinking, That's, I can't wait for the spring. I'm ready for that one. But he said, you know what? Build a house, settle in, live contentedly, and now go to work. Do you know what you can do in COVID 2020? You can build a Sunday school class. You can visit your bus route. You can pass out tracks. You can give to the Lord. You can work. You can still be an usher. You can still take a camera. You can still sing, in the, you can sing a choir. If we just started that up, you can still play your instrument. You can still watch a nursery. Whatever it is, hey, find something to do and go to work. You can still disciple a convert. You can still share the gospel. You can still talk to people out in the street. Maybe when you go to someone's door, it's not appropriate. I know sometimes I've gone to doors in this time, have a mask on, knock on the door, and back up. And when they come, I don't know what's gonna, I don't know where to pucker or to duck, but something's gonna happen here. I don't know where to hug or hide, but I say, what are you doing? Or they're gonna say, what do you want? But you know, I, I see people all the time. And oftentimes people are ready to be talked to about the gospel of Christ. And in times of limitations, get it right between your ears. Build a house and live there contentedly. Quit complaining. You got a lot better than most of the world do. Number, number three, go to work. Plowing, working, developing relationships, doing what God's called you to do. And then look at the next thing it says at the, on the last part of page, or verse number five. Plant ye gardens, and what does it say? Eat the fruit of them. Do you know the factor between planting a garden and eating the fruit of the garden? It's time. It's time. You don't, you don't plant in April and eat in May. You plant in April and May, and you enjoy in August and September. You know what it is? It is, it is waiting and working and staying at your, at your post. He said, plant a garden and stay there long enough to eat the fruit of your garden. I wonder how many marriages would have made it if people would have just stayed. Trusted God and stayed. I wonder how many churches would be vibrant if people would have just stayed. They'd work so hard, work so hard, and all of a sudden they just quit. That's why the Bible says, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if, if we don't quit. He said, plant a garden and stay. When things go wrong, they sometimes will. When the roads you're trudging seems all uphill. When the funds are low and the debts are high and you want to smile, but you have to sigh. When care presses you down a bit, rest if you must, but don't quit. Successes can be failure, turned inside out, the silver tint of the clouds of doubt, and we can never tell how close we are to success. 
It may be near when it seems like it's so far. So stick to the fight when your heart is hit. When things go wrong, you mustn't quit. Listen, you got quitting on your mind? The Bible says, let's consider him, Jesus, who endured such contradiction of sinners. You know what that means? Against all logic. What did he do so bad that they wanted, they hated him so? It was illogical. It was not illogical to crucify Barabbas, but why would you crucify Barabbas, let Barabbas go and let Jesus crucify? It doesn't even make sense. You think about that, he says, listen, consider what Jesus went through. Lest you and I be weary and faint in our own minds. Weary and quit. Don't quit. He said, Jeremiah said, listen, guys, it's going to be a little bit of a long haul. So build a house. Live contentedly. Keep working and don't quit. Enjoy the fruit of your labor. And then he says to them, have children. Tell your kids to get married and let them get married. And have, they're saying, are you kidding me? We don't want kids born in Babylon. We're not going to do that here. Now, if we get to go home, then we can think about having kids and grandkids. But we're not having kids during this time. God said, I want you to have babies. Here's the, here's the analogy. is win people to Christ. Have spiritual children. That's something you can do. And we can make every excuse in the world why when times of limitation, well, I just can't win people to Christ. You can do that if God wants you to. And the world is full of people. The woods are full of people that need Jesus. They're around us, and we need to have a passion and a burden to say, Lord, give me children lest I die. Let me have somebody that gets saved. And it blesses my heart when I see God's people in difficult times saying, Pastor, I got to lead my neighbor to the Lord. Pray for my, my coworker. He's watching online Sunday morning. I, he told me he would watch online. We're going to talk about it on Monday. Amen. Introducing me to folks say, Pastor, I met this man. He came to know Christ yesterday without soul winning. You know, we can do that in times of limitation. We can have children. We can disciple converts. Then he says this, oh yeah, now settle in, live contentedly, go to work and keep on working and don't stop working until you enjoy the fruit of your labor. Win others to Christ, develop other people. By the way, that's one of the best ways to keep you from being a critical bah humbug. Soul winners don't get too opinionated about everything that's going on. They got something bigger going on. Usually people who have a lot of criticism are usually not discipling someone. They're not going so, not telling someone about Christ. They're not active in the work of the Lord. It's one of the things I want to do, I want everybody to do, is stay busy. Winning people to Christ. That's the main thing. That's what God wants us to do. Then he says, seek the peace of the city that you're in. Now that, that under, I mean, every Jewish person, even to this day, they pray for the peace of Jerusalem. I mean, that's normal. That's just as normal as breathing. But to pray for Babylon and seek the peace of Babylon, that hit them in the head like a two by four. Are you kidding me? Seek peace of this city and pray for the peace of this city? And Jeremiah said, that's what I'm talking about. Make peace in the, in the realm that you are in. Because in that city that you pray for peace, you can have peace. 
It kind of goes along with, with 1 Timothy chapter 2. We heard it today earlier for those of us in the Heart to Help Forum, where the Bible says that we're supposed to pray for kings and for all in authority that you can live a quiet and peaceable life with all godliness and holiness and honesty. This is well-pleasing inside of God. He wants all men to be saved, to come to the knowledge of truth. You know, you have to make peace to make progress. He said, even in time's limitation, you make peace in your neighborhood, your city, you pray, and you, in, in the peace of your city, you can have peace. Then he says, in times of limitation, settle in, be content, work, stay, have spiritual children, seek peace. And then he says to them, be careful who you listen to. He says, don't let these false prophets and these diviners, these people are telling you false stuff, watch out. You know, when you're going through frustrating times, one thing you're always looking for is answers. Not everybody that's talking will give you the right answer. The Bible tells in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 1, Now the Spirit of God speaketh expressly, that in latter days some will depart from the faith. You know what the first phrase of departing from the faith is? Giving heed, listening to seducing, seductive spirits, doctrines of devils, lies and hypocrisies, and then ultimately having our own conscience seared where nothing convicts us. I'm not convicted about that. I don't have any conviction. The messages we used to hear that move us, they don't move us anymore. The things we wouldn't think about doing before, now we do them with, I don't have a conviction about that. Our conscience is seared. It's like a person who gets burned and after the burn heals, they can little needles there. They're like, I don't feel that. Their sensitivities are gone away. They're no longer penetrated. Well, I don't want that to be my heart. But you know where it starts? Listening to the wrong people. And then lastly, know that God has a plan. I know the thoughts I think towards you. They're good. They're not evil. And they're going to bring you to expect it in. One thing we should not be during this time is overly frustrated. I don't think it's wrong to be discouraged. I think it's wrong to stay that way. I think we ought to say, you know what, Lord? Even in times of limitation, I'm going to build a house. I'm going to do something productive, and I'm going to live here contently. I'm going to go to work, and I'm going to stay working until I can enjoy the fruit of what God's called me. I'm going to stay. I'm going to win people to Christ. I'm going to disciple converts. I want to have spiritual children. I'm going to seek the peace of the place where I'm at and the community I'm in. But don't cause problems. Seek peace. I'm going to be careful who I listen to. And I'm going to trust a God who says, it's okay. I know the thoughts I think. I've got you. He's got his hand on the thermostat and he's got his eye on the thermometer. He loves you. He's going to help you. In times of limitation, that's where we need to trust him and say, Lord, I'll trust you. If it's, if it's seven weeks or seven years, if things never get back to normal, I still have a God in heaven who loves me, and I'm going to spend eternity with him. I can trust him for the nasty now and now. 